Hey, Biz Dads, welcome back. We have got another great show for you this week. Common theme this week. We're going to talk a little bit about relationships. We'll start by talking about the biz side of the Biz Dads. How do you handle business relationships? Uh, what kind of networking do you do? How do you look at the different methods of growing your business circle and your sphere of influence? Then we're going to jump into talking about, on the personal side, relationship buildings, first impressions, and then we'll end things up because it is Lent today. The Lenten season is up on us. Happy Ash Wednesday. We'll jump into that and more this week's Biz Dads. Hey guys, how was uh, how was everybody's weekend? I don't know whether or not to tell you guys what I actually did on the weekends anymore, so I plead the fifth. No, you have to tell us. That's what makes it fun, but you also have to be open to us judging you because that's also part of the fun. We can't do anything about it. We can't stop you. We're not your parents. We're not your biz dads. So what'd you do? I hung inside. Don't lie to us, Anne. Tell us the truth. It's <laughs> terrible content. You have to tell the world what you did. I didn't do anything too crazy. I was. I just was in Charleston for the weekend, so... We got an Airbnb and celebrated my friend's 25th birthday. I wonder how your boss does think about the amount of work that you do on Fridays and Mondays with all these trips. Andres, how was your weekend? The weekend was cold, wasn't it? Uh, I think yeah. we were inside a lot. There was a lot of stuff rained out. Felt like we were we were pent up. It's all right. Nothing nothing too crazy. Yeah, it was you. kind of a crappy weekend. We had a really cool dinner with friends a good friend of ours had to bury their her mother last week so at the end of a very hard week we all got together it was just three couples and got together just were there to support and it ended up getting pretty deep into conversation a lot about the topics that we're going to talk about here today it was a good week though i mean it was a holiday weekend the kids are out of school this week so it's been kind of crazy with the kids running around without really anything to do school wise and trying to still work you know during the day. It's not easy. Yeah. It was a low key weekend. Yeah. You know, I do have to tell the, the group here since we are starting with baseball, I had a, um, uh, weird moment after our last show. So I think last week we talked about the fact that we had baseball evaluations, right? And the, the kids jumped into the, basically get thrown into a pool and they're drafted by their coaches. So, you know, Ben has been playing really well and he's on the travel team but this is for Little League. So when we get into the mix, you basically are drafted by these coaches. And the coaches who have kids that also are on the Slammers that play travel ball, they have to take their kid in the first round if their kid ranks out in the first round, right? So you know a lot of the dads who you trust that will coach the right way are going to have – they're not going to be able to grab Ben. So I started to freak out. And it literally put me in a bad mood all day Thursday before the draft, knowing that I wasn't aware of, uh, really certain of where Ben was going to fall. I really hated myself for being that invested and having that much emotion tied to where my kid was going to fall in a draft and who was going to coach him. Now, it couldn't have ended up any better. He ended up being drafted by the same head coach that coaches him on the travel team. So when I found that out, my entire attitude changed. But it goes to the fact that, and I've talked about this a lot on the show, I really hate being that dad, right? And I was so impacted 
all day to where my emotions were driven. My mood was driven by the travel baseball or the baseball draft for my kid. I was like, God, this is not what I, this is not who I am and not what I wanted to, to feel like today. So it's crazy. And I was just listening to this webinar with Brandy Chastain and um, Jesse Itzler, and they were talking about kind of coaches on the field. And, you know, I, I'm always torn with this play to win, you know, mentality of, you know, having the kids, this kid who's working hard and is doing his best and is, you know, succeeding in all levels, but also making sure that there's a fun element of it and whatnot. So we're going to have to talk on another show about that in general, because I have this emotional roller coaster around kids sports right now. And um, I'm not sure I know how to handle all of it. So anyway, let's jump into our first episode. We all know how important relationships are and more important than ever. When you can't really see person, see a person face to face, you can't continue to um, shake their hand, share a lunch, break some bread, have a beer, that kind of thing. So how do you guys go about it? Andres, I mean, you know, you're like me, we're relationship builders. How do we build relationships? What is your kind of your main philosophy and method about building relationships and networking in business? Yeah, I wanted to talk about it because I think with COVID, it's changed a lot. The idea of, I guess, networking, building relationships pre-COVID was you'd go to investment conferences, you know, in my industry, you'd go to conferences, you'd meet people at the events, before the events, go to dinners, you'd set up meetings around these, these events, you were traveling to cities and trying to get four or five meetings in a day. It was just a lot more face to face, you know, sit downs, all that changed, obviously, with COVID. And now consuming a lot more webinars, and trying to connect with people through virtual conferences, you know, the sales part of the job that I do is a lot more phone selling now than it is, you know, that that relationship building that you would do, again, over a over dinner, over lunch, over coffee. So it requires, I guess, just adapting the relationships, I think can still be as genuine, but they, the cadence of how you build them has changed, I think, during during COVID. And I know we're going to talk more about breadth of relationships versus the depth of relationships. And I'm sure we all have, you know, that inner circle of people who, you know, we just kind of know they have our back and they know what we stand for. They know our brand. Seems like a buzzword. And then you, as you go outside of that, right, the, the influence probably isn't as deep. So there's just a lot of nuances to it. And I thought it'd be a cool topic to, to break down. I'm definitely curious about Anne's perspective from her generation and kind of how they think about this whole idea of networking and relationship building. Yeah, let's start there. So what are everybody's ice breaking habits? How do you, in a new setting, in a business environment, professional environment, how do you uh, break the ice? How do you kind of start a conversation, start a relationship? I personally always start with a compliment of what they're wearing, their shoes, glasses. Always start with a compliment. Men and women, it doesn't matter. Just find something to flatter them. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. That's your opener. Yeah. I don't remember what you said to me the first time we ever met. I, I don't know if I was flattered. She didn't compliment you. You're a shoes guy, Brad. So you, always have, you always have cool shoes. So maybe she you started at, at feet. Did you just say he does? Damn, man. So yours is yours is a compliment. I For me, it's a question. 
I I always start with some kind of a question. You know, what'd you think of the panel? Or you can go grab a coffee if it's yeah. at a conference. But that's just my MO. As you know, Brad, I mean, I'm somebody that can ask a ton of questions. And not. I don't think it's in a way that's sort of intimidating, I hope, but just curiosity. I'm just a naturally very curious person. So I go the question route. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I don't think I have a, a shtick that works. I have... <laughs> I really, and this is terrible, but if I'm in a, a social mood, I'll just go up and start chatting people up, probably more of the question route. But sometimes I really struggle with it. I really struggle with how do we, how do I start talking to people? And in a lot of cases, this far in my career, I'm still kind of annoyed that I am uncomfortable in ice-breaking situations. I totally thought you were about to say you take the joke route or like you crack a joke. That is probably my my go-to shtick more than anything is to try to find some level of humor. But I have to do it in a way, a subtle way, to where I don't go up to somebody and just drop the hammer on a joke. I usually will find myself standing next to them in a crowd and make some sort of smart-ass comment or sitting next to them in the, you know, in the theater or at the tables and kind of crack a joke that way. But yeah, it's probably more along the lines of being a smartass than it is anything else. I don't know if that's that's really professional, but it works. But we're also talking about in the context of you can go up to somebody, which I don't know about you all and the work you're doing, but I mean, there hasn't been an industry conference in our business for over a year, and I don't think there's going to be one maybe until the fall. Where I also wanted to take the conversation was your social network, your professional network, how those merge. You know, I'm a LinkedIn user. I'm curious what other platforms you guys are using to stay connected. I'd love to hear about this notion of personal brand. I've been hearing that more recently from people. You know, you got to have kind of a personal sort of mission statement, what you stand for, what your professional values are, this type of thing. So I'm, I, I definitely want to take the conversation to the LinkedIn side because I don't know about you guys, but I get, you know, I'll get requests to buy products, buy services, you know, I'm sure we all, but also get a lot of requests from people that you maybe haven't met. And so how do you guys approach that? So let's talk about LinkedIn. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm bad, um, in using social media to our advantage. I mean, this podcast is a perfect example of how we should probably be doing something for our prospective careers and industries to where we establish a thought leadership position. I think that's where I am the most intrigued by others in the social or, or virtual space is, is how do they position their thoughts? I, I look for somebody who does utilize uh, Seinfeld type humor in things, you know, observation humor. I think people who can kind of make it fun yet informative are the types of people that I really tend to, to be attracted to virtually. I will tell you this, I have found these groups to be very, very informative for me. I've met the most people by joining these groups. So I, I've been fortunate enough to, to have the Entrepreneurs Organization group, the Big Ass Calendar Club and Build Your Life Resume group. That has spawned two dozen you know, relationships that are starting to really help me uh, you know, on our business and personal development, et cetera. I don't have a magic beanstalk bean that says this is how I, you know, I go about doing it. But I think the people that have attracted me, which is what we, sh what I need to learn from, 
are those who are subtle self-promoters and thought leaders, people that are putting information out there that you know, I find interesting. And then I feel more comfortable leading, reaching out to them, trying to have conversation. To your point, the inquisitive approach of, what'd you think about that panel? Or you know, what'd you think about that speaker? How was that? You know, I noticed you did this. How does that apply here? That kind of thing. And when you're connecting with somebody, Brad, for your company trenches or a potential client, there's, there's, there's an business discussion, would you say you tend to take the, hey, time is money, let's get right to it? Or do you sort of back into it after you make that connection, you give it time to breathe and marinate a little bit, and then you say, hey, you know, there's something I'd love to talk to you about from more of a commercial perspective. Like, what's your approach? That's an unbelievably great question. And I, and I hate answering this question kind of in the gray, but for me, I have noticed, again, I have spent the last six months trying to become very, very self-aware of how I go about doing my business, using my time, how I'm treating myself, all of that. And these programs have helped tremendously. But for me, it depends on the mood that I'm in, Andres. I find that sometimes I am very much, matter of fact, get to the point. And not in a way where I am rude or I am avoiding conversation, but I am much more direct with what I am trying to accomplish. The majority of my time is spent building a relationship, strengthening a foundation, and understanding somebody professionally. I wrote an entire Jerry Maguire-ish manifesto about two months into COVID, and I called it the Sponsorship Salesperson's uh, COVID Manifesto. And I wrote it down over two days, a couple pages, on how I was really pretty impressed with how relationships were becoming less transactional in the COVID environment. People were taking more time to get to know each other to chat. And I'm, I'm sorry to take this off course for a minute, but it, it, it'll all come back to, I think, our conversation. But when I started writing, I was like, man, I really love the fact that things have become less transactional. It isn't about just wham, bam, thank you, man. It, ma'am, it is not just, you know, give me the money. Now, there is a slippery slope of the ultimate relationship builder who can never make the ask and can never close the deal, right? But I felt as a society, we had become too transactional. So my moment of grabbing my two fish and storming out of my office, by the way, Anne, have you ever seen Jerry Maguire? Sorry, I have. That's Tom Cruise. Yeah. Who's coming with me? Great show. Great movie. Okay. Cuba Gooding Jr.'s coming out party. Right. But it's this moment where he sits down and he makes this he writes this manifest and he says, this is the game changer, right? Of how his, he's viewing the industry and the industry kind of kicked him out. And I never published this manifest. I never put it out there about two months ago, not even two months ago, a month ago, I sat down and revisited it and took another lens like 10 months later. And I want to put it out there because I, I do feel like people, people are busier now. They are dealing with more crap than ever because of COVID and because They've got family and kids at home and, and they're working from home and they're uncertain of their jobs and, you know, they're just dealing with more stuff, less people, there were layoffs, et cetera, et cetera. I do feel like this is an opportunity for us all to kind of revisit how we interact with people. And I say all of that because I enjoy more than anything the people who want to get to know me, the people who want to have conversations and want to build on who I am. One of our teammates, Anna and I's teammates, does an amazing job. But when every time we have a call and she's set up, I get an email 
with all the details about this person. And Anne started to do it too. And, and it's all this, you know, informational stuff. It's like Michael Scott from the office type of information that all of a sudden you have. And it's like, man, now I really feel like I know this person and we can talk about more things and it makes it more relevant. So I feel that the relationship building part of it is a lost art and um, something that I hope we can all start to do a little more of, be a little less transactional, a little less wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Yeah. I have heard a lot of people in our industry and financial services and investment industry over the last year talk about COVID has allowed us to, given we're not traveling as much and you're not running from event to event and airport to airport to just call and check in on people and people are more receptive to your point. I think that kind of cuts across a lot of industries. Uh, I think everybody recognizes we're all going through and sub- going through something together and everybody has reacted to it differently. But I think one commonality is, is it's disrupted the normal flow of business. And so people are naturally, people naturally need to connect. So one of the things that's been, I found good is that complete strangers have been more receptive to just having a dialogue, having a conversation. The reason I asked you about the getting straight to the point versus sort of backing into it is my personal style, Brad, is to try to find areas of mutual interest, if you will, and and trying to find that common ground. Doesn't mean I'm calling on people who I went to college with or who Uh, I'm only second degree connections with, but I'm always looking for that one thing. And again, LinkedIn is my sort of go-to method. I'm curious to hear if you guys have other, whether it's social networks or other ways in which you're expanding your circles. And I'm particularly interested in Anne and like what your generation's take is on, you know, building the professional brand and professional network. So for me, it's, it's trying to do it on a sort of a habitual basis, like making an effort to reconnect each week with four or five people in my network. And I might not have talked to them in a year, but just calling to check in, see how they're doing. And, you know, sometimes they're not available. Sometimes, you know, their LinkedIn profile isn't even updated. So they might have changed jobs or may have left the industry and they just haven't bothered to go and kind of check and, and updated. But uh, for me, it's been a useful tool. But Anne, I'd love to get your take on LinkedIn, networking yeah. virtually. You know, I will say Anne has an incredible knack for building relationships with people and kind of getting responses from people in a virtual or cold call setting. So I always find it hard to understand. Sometimes she is very, I guess the best way to describe it is comfortable, informal, with her outreach and almost to the point of playing the the youth card and it works tremendously so and i mean talk tell a little bit talk a little bit about that and kind of your overall approach i'd love to hear it too well i learned from the best so brad you always tell me to do your research on them so first i'd try to see what where they've been if they have anything printed so i always try to start with a compliment like in sponsorship if i see that they helped on a deal maybe or they to see on their details. So I try to compliment them on something in the past, or I say, I saw you liked someone's post and I liked them too. And I bring up an article that they liked in the past or something. 
I definitely do a lot of stalking when I before I reach out to them, so they know that I'm not just a complete stranger and like I did my research. So it's like the more research I do on them, the higher my success rate is on responses. And usually they'll be like, thank you so much for taking time. I always get these random responses, but you actually seem interested. But I also, like you, Andres, am a very curious human. So I'm naturally interested. And I feel like my questions are actual questions. And I feel like people can tell if you're fake and you're like, so sometimes when I say, I just tried your spicy chicken sandwich and I actually haven't tried it. It sounds fake and I usually don't get responses. But if I actually did try it and it's a true story, and usually all my stories are crazy, a.k.a. with a twist, so they usually will respond because of that. It is incredible, man. She's so – Anne is, um, I think, what we would call quirky in our generation. But it's cool cool because you know she's genuine. She actually cannot Mm -hmm. lie to you. So everything that you she also cannot hide any any and I mean any elements of the full story. So you don't just get yeah. you don't just get parts of the story in her honest opinion. You get the whole thing, like every thought that crossed her mind. And I think some yeah. people, I think some people probably appreciate that level of innocence and authenticity. Because I really feel like Andres for us, we get we get a little bitter when we think we're trying to be sold. Or we are yeah. we're, we become too salesy. I give you an example. Today, I was on the phone with someone who I trust, who I think is one of the most genuine and authentic people I have the chance to work with, and I know that he's, while he is still trying to accomplish the, the objectives that he is, you know, challenged with in his job, he is a helper and a connector and a thoughtful, you know, authentic human, and. He said, your ears must have been burning because I was talking about you last night with someone else. And that someone else was a person I am having other business dealings with, right? And I said, okay, let me ask you the honest opinion. I don't know how to read that guy. I don't know how to read and understand, am I being overly sold or am I kind of getting the wrong sense? And they're like... And they said, you know, you're getting the right sense, but there's true, genuine, authentic, honest individual there. He, he, that's a that's a genuine person. And I had this 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 sales dar up of like that that guy was too salesy, but in reality, he's just very very genuine and very authentic and very willing to help. Just like the individual who I was taking that initial advice from, who validated that. Like, I understand, you know, we all have this radar that goes up first, but let me tell you, don't worry about that with this person because it's, you know, it's, it's genuine. And I just found that that other person's endorsement helped tremendously. And now I look at it through a completely different lens, but I do feel like we're bitter. I feel like we're, we're, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? We're, we're just jaded. Jaded. Yeah. Good word. So I, I, uh. One thing I, with my personal, I guess, MO, my philosophy, brand, whatever, I tend to give people the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I tend to give them the opportunity. I, sh- I show them, I give them the time. If, if they're selling, they got a job to do because I've been on the other side of that, right? So I want, I want to believe that I'm getting somebody's undivided attention. And so I try as much as possible, but I'm human. Right. And I have my moments where I don't show grace and I'm impatient to your 
earlier point, you know, sometimes your mood is driving that outreach and sometimes it's a deadline that's driving that outreach. And that kind of comes through. I, I have a former boss who was very fond of saying, and it was easy for me to be frustrated when he said it is, it's not what you say. And you you say this a lot too, Brad. It's, it's how you say it. It's the delivery. I think that comes through in not only the verbal, but also in the nonverbal. And, you know, you can tell when somebody's sort of pushing the process too quickly, too fast, whatever. But you kept coming back to this term that I heard today in a conversation that I had, which is authenticity or authentic leader. And one of the things that I've started to think a lot more about is this idea of your whole, like bringing your whole self to whether it's your job or to your relationships, your friendships, and not not compartmentalizing, right? Between this is who I am eight to five, this is who I am, you know, after hours with friends or with my family. That's That to me is sort of, you know, and we talked about leadership last week, but this notion of being consistent across all facets is, uh, I think it's a big challenge, but I think that is sort of the ultimate calling card for for leadership. So I try to do it through the relationship building and and give people the opportunity to give their pitch, sell their products, sell their service. Because I'm, A, I'm curious, but B, I'm also, you know, I've been on the other end of it. Who is yelling? I know. Is it the background noise of the Sendate house going nuts there? What's happening? I must have picked, my mic picked him up somehow. Anyway, it's fine. I thought you were going to go say, like, is everything okay? <laughs> they sounded bad. Everything's fine. Right. Okay. That's, that's the normal, the normal happenings of a family household, Ann. <laughs> oh my God. I um, don't want that ever. Oh yeah. Just wait. Just wait. You know, you nobody's, nobody can ever be prepared for that. You know, I think, let me put you guys on the spot as we kind of wrap this segment up here. When building a relationship, two things, two answers, kind of one wordish answers. What is the number one thing you look for in a build business relationship? And one is what is the one thing that you try to deliver or portray in a business relationship? So, Anne, let's start with you. What's the one thing that you really look for in a business relationship? And what is something that you always want to portray or have the takeaway from a relationship that you've just started? I just look to make sure that they're genuine and I, I can believe what they're saying and they're not putting on a face. Genuine. Got it. What What's one thing you want them to, to leave for, and to receive from you? That I'm genuine as well. <laughs> but <laughs> do I need to think of a better answer? No, no, no that's fine. Yeah, and I think it's right. I mean, you can definitely have a two-way genuine need, right? A desire to make sure that it is a genuine relationship. And that is a two-way street. For me, I always I look for honesty in in the person. I need to feel that they are not even that they're selling me that they're being dishonest, but I need to feel that someone is going to tell me the truth and is not trying to always politic me. That's one thing that I feel is important and I need to have in a relationship. And then on the other end, I want them to to feel my interest. I struggle sometimes when I know and my brain is going a million different directions that I could be, perceive, give the perception that I'm not always you know, paying attention or listening. And I try to always listen. And I want that individual to feel like I had they had my undivided attention. 
it's very, very hard, I think, in today's environment when we're all running a million miles a minute and we have our phones in our hands and, you know, you're in big rooms in most cases pre-COVID, big rooms and a lot of people you need to talk with, but that's no excuse to not provide that person with your undivided attention. So, Andres, what are your two things? What do you want to find in someone and what do you want them to learn or, or understand from you? I, I generally, if somebody's asking questions, as somebody that asks a lot of questions, I can tell pretty quickly if it's somebody who I think is, you know, they're coming to the table for mutual gain. That's so, so that's one thing. And then I also think eye contact and just the body language. It's harder now because of the virtual. So that would be what I'd be looking for if I was and it's the same thing you just said, right? They're just, they're not giving you their undivided attention. Those are the immediate things you kind of notice the body language and if they're really present. I notice myself doing that. So I'm, I'm trying to be sensitive, you know, it's myself. Funny. I <laughs> notice it probably more so in, in our conversations, me not giving you my undivided attention because we're usually in like a setting of a lot of things happening. So I struggle. You're very good at kind of zoning in and keep paying attention to the individual you're talking with. And I'm trying to not be the dog, you know, chasing squirrels. I notice that a lot in our conversations where I need to get better at kind of the focus. And, and I have probably, I don't know, half a dozen people. I feel like that all the time. And I want to go around and apologize to those people all the time. But, it, you know, it is still like there's, you know, there is very much a desire to, to listen and learn and, and whatnot. As long as you can do all of those things that we just talked about, I think you can build strong, solid, meaningful, professional relationships. Now, dun, dun, dun. let's change things to the personal side. Because I do think we all have, some of us can compartmentalize work and profession I don't think that I can. I'm one of those people who are kind of always looking for angles, not in the negative sense of looking for angles, but always try to find the bridge. And I think that really weighs into how you go about your personal relationships. Now, you and I are married. Anne is on the dating scene. Dating, right? You're not exclusive yet. I don't know. Where are we in this? We're dating. We're dating. So we're dating. I told I I have a I have a six month rule, Andres, where I don't meet any of Anne's boyfriends before six months. They have to actually be able to stick around and make it through the rigors. It's basically like SEAL training. Yeah, <laughs> if they can, if they can be cast out a mile in the ocean and survive coming back to shore, then I'm I'm on board. I'll, I'll meet them in person. But I I think let's start with this. This is one of the things that we talked about pre-show. What are red flags that you find for someone? in a personal relationship, maybe even a business relationship, but what are red flags that that are automatically like not interested, whether it be personally or romantically? Anne? The easiest one that just came to my head first was how men and women talk to their parents on the phone. I feel like if you respect them, then I will like you. But if you're mean to them, I'm not a fan. Wow. That's a total out of left field. Not where I thought you would have gone. But it's a good one. I mean, if you don't respect your mama and your daddy, then who do you respect, right? Andres, mm -hmm. what do you think? I get put off by highly opinionated people <laughs> who I don't know. 
Me who I don't know. So like first right? time, first time somebody comes to you and says, how about that? You know, blah, 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 blah. And they just go off just on the a broad, just the broad generalizations. There's so much nuance in life, Brad. Like you and I have we've been through so many things, you know, as a as a couple buddies, as husbands. So there's so much nuance to stuff that the broad general opinions just I guess that those strike me when it's somebody that I don't know right off the bat. And it's it's not a deal killer. But especially if it's something that's more controversial and it's particularly, I guess, more difficult for me to get over it when it's something that I've spent a lot of time doing a lot of reading on, doing a lot of research on, personally experienced. And, you know, I think it shows, you know, I think it shows a lot more about that person's character. But, yeah, that's something that kind of jumps out to me. That's a good one, too. I I think that's that. I I guess I would say that mine is similar to that and it's what is what are the motives i i think if i feel like someone is coming at me with an ulterior motive of other than just getting to know me or i don't mean building a business relationship i mean in in general if you come at me with uh whether it be over opinionated or you have something you have some sort of agenda on your mind already before we have ever talked mm-hmm. that's a red flag for me i mm-hmm. i don't like to be I don't mind being put on the spot, but I don't like be putting in uncomfortable situations. I've had this a couple of times where I had to just tell people like, that's not how I handle early relationships. I'm not going to talk to you about those things. And I'm pretty free to talk to people about politics, you know, social matters, you know, personal stuff, beliefs, religion. But I, I mean, it's got to, we're not just going to talk about it right off the bat. Definitely yeah. red flags for me. You know, along those lines, though, how are you at first impressions? What- well, so so I have to finish, I guess, and round this out because one thing that I am annoyed by with people and where I get turned off is if they can't go deep, right? So if they're very high level and I see them over and over and over and it's never real, then it's tough for me. I mean, we can be social. And we can like say hi and be kind and nice and all that. But like as far as a personal friendship, building that relationship on the next level where you really earn trust, give trust, you know, that whole thing. And so what ends up happening is a lot of times Heidi, my wife and other people are like, you're so intense. Like you're, you're, you know, you're so serious. You know that about me. Right. And sometimes it gets the best of me. Sometimes my feelings get hurt or I get offended or I think somebody like my social justice radar, my justice radar is super high. Like I know that's a trait about me, right? Other people, it's like, oh, water off their back, like no big deal. Like, and, and so this, but this whole notion of like, we can just be close, but never go deep. I have a hard time with that, you know? So I, so that's the, I guess that's a counter to your point. Like, you know, you're saying you don't want to go there right away, but if you're going to be, you know, if you're, if you're going to go to that next level as friends, don't you kind of have to get deep on certain stuff at some point? Without a doubt. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I'm talking about right off the bat. But some, right off the bat. And, right. and I think it's different than going deep versus having an agenda. Right. And right. I, I'm, what really yeah. turns me off is when someone comes at me with an agenda. I agree. Someone wants to, I mean, in my world, people who want tickets to shit, 
people who want, <laughs> I mean, really, it's like, right. You haven't, yeah. you know, we could have been in a million settings, but if the first time you come at me is to ask me for something, yeah, that's dude, yeah. immediately yeah. deal breaker. I got nothing to do with you. I, to your point, only want to go deep with people that I consider close friends. And it doesn't have to be that we have the same opinion to go deep. I actually prefer to be challenged, but I am a, someone who has to understand an individual. And if I don't understand you, I take it as almost this personal challenge of trying to figure it out. I have a hard time. I I do have a very hard time, even though some of my best friends in my life do this, I think to piss me off with contrarians, Mm. right? People who are just anti nonconformists because they want to be nonconformists. That drives (laughs) me batshit crazy. (laughs) I don't mind you having opposing opinions from popular belief, but don't do it all the time. Don't do it on everything. Don't be that guy who does something quirky and specific just to do it. That kind of drives me nuts. Yeah. So, so Anne, on the personal friendship side of things, it's, it's clear to, I mean, I'm, I'm 42, right? So our generation, the way we interact with our friends, we've talked about that a lot on the show. So how do you guys, I'm going to say you guys, but how do you, how do you guys establish like genuine, authentic, like all these big terms? Like, how do you establish that this day and age? feel like a lot of us are kind of always looking for ingenuine people so it's Mm -hmm. easier to spot them but also so many people are so fake it's crazy (laughs) but it's kind of like you see them on social media and they look a certain way but you already know in reality they're not a certain way and then people kind of just talk a lot Mm -hmm. so you kind of know that they're disingenuine so yeah the social media thing brad is is uh like I don't, because I don't post regularly to Instagram or Facebook, uh, my family, myself, you know, when you and I hang out, um, I'm not typically the guy taking a photo, a selfie of all of us and putting that out there. Right. So that's kind of why it's so interesting. This notion of compartmentalization, like, are you, you know, are you sort of that same person, Andres, all the way through all of this or, you're going to get somebody else on the baseball field that you get in the boardroom that you get at church that you get in, you know, in the grocery store. I always think it's a form of flattery when I get a phone call from somebody who I've had a business conversation with about a product per se or a service. And then like a week or two later, they'll call and I'll find out that they're like in a job search and they've reached out to me because they know, I guess they've been told or they've figured out or whatever that I have, I guess what you'd call social capital, right? I've, I've gotten to know people, I've built a, a reputation, I've, and so, and I genuinely, and I, I'd like to think people would say this about me, I just try to help. Like, as to you said, like the person that you mentioned, the guy, he's a helper, he's a connector, he's just genuinely trying to be a good dude. People, I hope, would say that about me across, across the board. I would say this too. Um, I think you're very, you are very intense, right? You don't compartmentalize, at least my perception of it, in my opinion. You, you are the same Andres across the board, right? Um, that's a good thing because I think it is genuine in your approach. But also, a lot of people uh, misinterpret intensity for yeah. a lack of 
helpfulness or giving or, or, you know, servant mentality. And I think you have all of those things. Like, I think you'd give the shirt off of your back to somebody if they needed it. I think you would do anything in the world for us. I know, you know, we have that relationship. And I think that's where a lot of people make these, these wrong first impressions to say, well, that guy's, you know, that guy's intense. So that guy, you know, wants to talk about business in this, at this cocktail party where we're all without this backyard barbecue or whatever. That, that's how I think we should be interacting and engaging. You get to know the individual and you start to realize that person would do anything in the world for me, whether my, my kids needed help, my house was on fire, or I needed a job, right? I hate when someone has not been responsive to me or has not been engaging with me and then all of a sudden turns up and wants a job. Out of the blue, help. like needs a big favor. I'm like, yeah. who in the hell, where is this coming from? Right. Like, right. dude, I, I've been trying to do whatever with you, work with you. I've, I've tried to say nothing, crickets. And then all of a sudden, hey, pal, how are things going? I'm like, come on, man. That's not genuine. Yeah, I, I guess for me, I've always taken the approach. And even people in my family who have heard these interactions have said to me, like, who's that dude? And how well do you know him? And I'm like, I just, you know, he's a buddy. He's in my professional network, friends. Went way out of your way for that guy. Like, Aren't you concerned? Like, what isn't there risk there? Like, you could make a connection, it could go bad, like introduction. I'm like, I don't even think about it that way. <laughs> you know, I figure the, the guy wants to meet somebody. If I can make an introduction, I can make the introduction. I want to finish the show, Brad, and come back to that dinner that you had with your your friends this weekend. You talked about it, you teased it out, and you said you guys spent time talking about deep personal relationships. You were hinting at some of the things I think we've touched on in the show, but can you take us inside that? Yeah, yeah. In I, that dinner, what what y'all talk about? Well, I think there's two things because there's two things I want to finish talking about. One, and they both apply to the dinner. But I would ask Ann this: like, Ann, are you in the what you would consider the friend finding, the friend developing phase, or do you have open door to just how big can my group get? I, you know, the more the merrier. And I know this is definitely COVID, so you're. You're it's like my just, favorite thing in the world to connect people. Right. But connecting people is different than opening yourself up Forming. to having more friendships and more friend groups and all of that kind of thing. You're in that phase of life, right? Oh, 100%. I've joined every single sporting team I can. <sighs> Even started some. Andres, do you feel like you're in one place? Are you just personally, I'm not talking about professionally, because I think we're all trying to grow our professional network always, but or at least we should be. But do you feel like from a friendship standpoint, you have this open door or do you feel like you've kind of, and again, this is COVID, so it's a little different, but. It's a great question. I, I think when I'm at my best, Brad, I think I probably have a tighter circle, meaning I'm so in tune with those friends that I kind of can anticipate when there's something big coming that they're dealing with, that they know that I'm dealing with, and we can just kind of read each other. And when I'm probably not at my best, then I think they're going through something big uh, or something's happened and I'm probably not the person they're calling or I'm, you know, late to offer whatever congratulations or support. But I do find as I get older that I don't want to say I've let people fall away that were once friends, but I think the level of intensity, maybe you call it effort, it's just, it's not there. And I don't know if that's a function of COVID, <laughs> having three kids, you know, the kids are now getting into more activities. And so you're just, your time becomes limited. 
but I will always try to be the friend that makes time when the shit hits the fan or to your point, like when somebody needs the shirt off your back. Cause I think that's really, you know, even if it's somebody you haven't talked to in three or four or five years, like when they're going through something, I don't know, I was just raised, like you just step up and you, you just, you figure out a way to do something for them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, it's funny because I, I'm like you, I think I'm much better when I have deeper relationships with people. I'd rather be an inch wide and a mile deep than try to be all things to all people. It's funny, you know, I think you're just now in the boy side. And I, you're, Frankie's there, right? But I think just now, like, there's no tighter baseball for us, t- tighter circle for us than the baseball circle because mm-hmm. we see them all the time. And that got us through COVID. And I'm not even sure. joking or being dramatic there. I mean, th- that group of people who we could see maybe we shouldn't have, but we did that got us through all of it. That was our mm-hmm. saving grace. And mm-hmm. when I didn't have that, like the last couple of months I talked about, I think last week kind of having the, the winter blues or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I was in a funk and I hated that. I hate that feeling. So I would just much rather have deeper relationships with people. So the perfect example of kind of how I'm trying to have these deeper relationships with people is, you know, this dinner is I, uh, we were new to Smyrna. And this couple who have become great friends of ours, kind of on the same level as you and Heidi, we didn't know them, but our kids played soccer together. But we got to know them because I walked up and I said to the guy, and I have never really done this with people, hey, we're kind of in the same business. We're new to Smyrna. We should hang out. And they, as they probably should, were hesitant to that at the beginning. And they'd tell you that. They were like, I don't know who this guy is. And then finally the wife stepped up and said, no, you should. You should you know, talk with them, get to know them. So we had a call and it turned out and that became, you know, became one of my best friends in the whole world now because I can talk about anything with him. So we were having dinner and we were talking deeply. And I joke that the wife is kind of my spiritual spirit animal because she is, you know, very religious, uh, very strong in her faith, shares that with us, not in an, in a, in an aggressive or pushy way, but just shares it with us. And I talk with her a lot about it. And we are just great at kind of the back and forth of trying to help each other out. And, you know, we don't always see eye to eye on everything. You know, our kids are friends. You know, we talked a lot about how we look at sports as a family, how they look at sports as a family. And I found it was very, very interesting. We just have different opinions of how important our kids' sports lives are to us. Not like I was talking about earlier, but how we are living for this environment. Our kids' activities are our activities. Where she was saying that she needs her own activities and she didn't want to always be tied to having to do practices and be over-programmed in the sense of being a boy mom, right? And it was just great to have such a deep relationship with a friend to where you could disagree, be able to go back and forth, um, learn something about each other, and share openly. We started it even you know, kind of went down the road of talking about fears. I talked about how I was feeling that day of, of talking about baseball and we were able to just dive deep and it was a really refreshing evening and it wasn't alcohol induced. It was just a nice, good conversation. And I feel like those are the things that I cherish the most now in friendships, in relationships is how can somebody challenge me? How can somebody get me to think more about, my way of thinking. And, uh, 
I mean, it was really great, man. I think we should all try to find those types of, you know, deep inner relationships that aren't just surface, that aren't just kind of, you know, sitting around drinking beers and cracking jokes, but that you can get into it from time to time. It was very, very meaningful. It was a great, it was a great Friday. That's awesome. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you, man. I, I completely agree with everything you said. I, I think, you know, the hallmark of a, a life well lived is, you know, your kids doing better than you and you looking back and having lifelong, deep, meaningful friendships. So uh, Andres, I think, um, I, I totally agree with everything we've talked about here. And I, and I would tell you is just my last piece of advice, have those deep relationships. Also let people challenge you because I learned a lot about myself in that conversation too. I learned about myself in all of these conversations and you know, it's, uh, not about being so stubborn and thinking that you're always right. That was a, that was a big key for me from Friday night. So let's jump into it. This week's final four. Wrapping things up here, guys. It is Lent. Happy Ash Wednesday. Tell me what you guys are giving up or what you're doing for Lent. I'm giving up social media. I think I'm going to do that for the rest of my life, if social media is always a thing. But always give up social media for Lent. The uh, betting window is open, if anyone would like to uh, wager on whether or not that is possible. <laughs> please uh, DM me, and we will set the, set the odds. Andres? I am signing out of Amazon on my phone, on my what? iPad. I am going to try to not buy anything that I just really don't yeah. need for the next whatever Hopefully it goes on beyond Lent, but I think Lent is a good time to reset and really think about priorities and think about the the cleanse of stuff that I don't need. So I'm I'm going to start with Amazon and not spend money. That's a really good one. Mine is that I want to I'm doing two two things to kind of better instead of giving up, but I'm going to read more. We started a book club Anne and I and our team, so I'm going to read more. And then I am going to um, get back on this healthy plan that I was was doing so successfully for a long time and have been off of it for uh, a couple weeks. And I'm going to jump back on the horse and um, continue down that path. So that's it. I think what do we think is our final four? What's the fourth one? We're going to do as a group here. We're going to we're going to have more guests. Can that be our fourth one? I think that is a good one. I think we need to focus on Lent, not just being about what we give up, but what we, what we're going to do, how intentional we're going to bring on guests. I like it. All right. That's it. Awesome. (laughs) Well, here, there it is this week's biz dads. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll see you guys next week. We're out. We're out.